Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. I love that song because, see, it's, it tells us that as the deer pants, uh, I am not a hunter, but one of the uh, things that I understand that when a, an, a deer, especially, or an animal uh, is wounded, their first inclination is to find the nearest water source because they believe that there is life in that water. And so, uh, don't know that for sure. Again, I'm not a hunter. Um, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express one time, but uh, other than that... Uh, and Alicia and I will not be able to be here with you tonight, but let me share, let me share with you my favorite Ray Dieter story. In 2000, I was pastoring at the Emmanuel Baptist Church in uh, Rockville, Indiana. We had been, uh, we went there from after serving seven years at the Village Green Baptist Church in uh, Michigan City. The Lord called us, I believe to this day, he called us to Emmanuel in Rockville. In four months, we baptized 18 people, more than any given time in the church's history. And after about eight months, the church's vision changed, and it did not include me. And so we were without. Uh, it came down, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard of this thing called a vote of confidence where churches vote and say, yeah, we, we agree we're going to support our pastor, or no, we're not going to support our pastor. Uh, let me tell you, if it ever gets to that point of a vote of confidence, uh, your pastor's already lost all confidence. Anyway, they had the vote. I could have stayed. I didn't. Uh, we resigned immediately after that vote, and uh, we had a little boy that was, Annalisa, what was he, 12, 13, 14 months old? And I had no clue what was in store. We had friends at a stable just outside of town and I went to work for them cleaning stables, working horses and uh, one day I get a call from a man by the name of Ray Dieter. I, I had never met Ray Dieter to that point. Uh, I had heard about him by reputation because uh, though I agree with Robert, uh, you know, if you see him in his blue jeans and his suspenders and his flannel shirt, uh, he, he he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't check that box. <laughs> he called me and he said, hey, Rick, this is Ray Dieter from Faith Southern over in Clay City. He said, uh, I heard what happened uh, at the church. He said, could we have lunch one day? 
And I said, yes, sir, I'd love to do that. Again, I knew Ray Dieter by reputation only. I knew that several, matter of fact, I didn't find that out until I came here, that several years before that meeting, uh, we had gotten phone calls from our state convention office to pray for a pastor and his wife in our state. His wife was having a surgery where they were going to peel her face off the front of her head. And I had no clue until we moved here that that was Joanna Dieter. Pastor Ray and I met at the MCL cafeteria in Terre Haute, and it was unlike any Southern Baptist pastor's meeting I had ever been to in my life. He never one time said, Rick, tell me all the juicy details about what happened. Tell me about how awful those people were to you. Tell me all the gory details. He didn't do that. He said, Rick, how can I be praying? How can Joanna and I be praying for you and Annalisa and your young son? And we had lunch, and we prayed, and we wept, and we went our separate ways. To this day, Ray Dieter has never said to me, man, I, I, let me know the juicy details about what happened. Because that's what we do. Y'all know that, right? When somebody gets in a mess, we don't, before, before we say, hey, let's pray for you, you say, man, tell me what happened. He didn't need to know what happened that day. Because God already knew what happened, and God had sent him to be an encouragement in this young preacher boy. And what a joy it was. Um, when Grace Baptist Church called Ray Dieter as their pastor. I hope you understand. I don't know if you ever heard the story. We threw his resume, resume away three times. But because of the tenacity and the, the connection that the chairman, search team chairman had with the Lord, we kept bringing that thing back. And oh, aren't we glad that we did. It has been a joy to be with you. And uh, uh, Nick, sometimes it feels like it's been six weeks, and other times it feels like it's been six years. Uh, but uh, it is always a joy and always a high privilege and honor for me to stand in this pulpit, uh, this church and this pulpit, and you people um, mean more to us than you will ever know this side of heaven, and so we thank you for that privilege. Matthew chapter 9, looking on, uh, finishing up on our short rooted series. Uh, I do want to say thank you to all of those who have called or text or emailed or messaged uh, on how these, how these messages have impacted you. Again, this series was not original with me. I found it someplace and adopted it to our needs uh, in these days. But I want to thank you for those who said, uh, especially this past week, Brother Rick, man, God's been doing some pruning this week. Amen. Amen. Because not, uh, not only because I preached on it, but because in the life of believers, pruning is an ongoing process. Because I don't know about you, but sin creeps into my life every day. Amen. But there is some sin, I don't know about you, I'm only speaking for me this morning, there is some sin that I open the door and take its coat. Amen. And so there needs to be that pruning. Now, after the soil has been cultivated and the seed has been planted and growth has come and, pr and pruning has taken place, here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 38, and here's what the Word of God says. When Jesus went out through the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the king, um, of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. I pray you'll underline that in your Bible. He, Jesus, was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the field, the harvest truly is plenteous. It is white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Father, this morning, I love you. And Father, I love this church. 
I love this city. Father, I love the state of Indiana. But Father, in our time this morning, I pray that you would rise up harvesters in this group of believers this morning. Father, we all can do something for the kingdom. We can all share uh, our faith. We can all make a phone call. We can all stop and pick somebody up. Lord, we can all do something for the kingdom. And so Father, this morning, I pray not a single one of us would leave this place not being a harvester in this harvest in Evansville. That is plenty that is white, that is overgrown, that is overwhelming. And Father, I pray we all would know this morning there is somebody in our circle of influence that is waiting for us to share the good news of who Jesus is. Father, would you, God, would you just do in us what needs to be done in these moments this morning that we would be and do what you would have us to be and have us to do. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to the end of this short series, my prayer is that over the last three weeks, you and I have examined our walk. We have examined our lives. We've examined everything there is about us. And I pray that we have begun, uh, hopefully even before I started, that we have begun the process of being and growing to what God really wants us to be. Because guess what, beloved? I don't care if you're here and you're 100 years old or you're 10 years old. Our job here, our harvesting, our fellow workmanship with Christ does not end until you and I leave this place. And it is our responsibility, I believe, to take as many people with us as we can when we go. Over these last three weeks, we have seen what kind of soil did the gospel seed find in our hearts? Was it that hardened soil? Was it that oblivious soil that doesn't really care anything about hearing anything about the gospel or hearing anything about God? Uh, I, was watching, I was watching one of my preacher buddies on, on the internet this morning and we were talking, he was talking about uh, what, have we, what have we sacrificed? What have we given up? What have we lost for the sake of the gospel? And he said, well, somebody has lost some friends. And I don't know about you, but I've lost friends because of the gospel. I've gotten, those, uh, I've gotten those little uh, notes that preachers get. You all know those notes that somebody, will, they'll, you'll send a little card and you never sign it. And it's a card saying, man, you're dumb. You're too long-winded. You're on and on and on. Uh, <clears throat> wasn't too long ago I got one uh, that uh, there was nothing written in the card. They just signed it because it just said stupid. Some of you will get that later. Is it a troubled heart? Is it a heart that, that in that soil that has just, just, it just barely is rooted, but yet when the trials and tribulations of life come, we're easily uprooted? Is it that distracted heart? We love the gospel. We love God. We love our church. But some of the things outside of the four walls of the church get just a little bit more of our attention than it ought to. Or have we found, has the gospel seed found a fertile heart? Week number two, we looked at the area of growth and we, we agreed, I believe we all agreed, that God and God alone is the one that brings spiritual growth. We have to do our part. We have to read his Bible, read, read the word, pray, meditate, spend some time with him, serve him, love him, love others. But ultimately, when you and I grow spiritually, it is not because we have arrived academically. It is because God has spoken into our lives and brought us understanding and wisdom. We, number two, we, uh, on that week, we saw that we are God's field. You and I are the place where the Holy Spirit came and took up residence the day we got saved. And we are fellow workers with him. 
We also saw that week that growth is not an option. And I pray that you would underline that somewhere. Write that in the flyleaf of your Bible. Growth is not an option. And then we spent just a little bit of time, didn't spend nearly enough time on recognizing adversity as an opportunity, opportunity for growth. Last week we looked at the, uh, at the subject of pruning. And we, and we asked the question, what does God need to prune from our lives? We looked at the fact that God has a green thumb, and he does, amen, because the, vine, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser. That's, I mean, he's the one that clips and prunes, and, and um, anybody ever seen a bonsai tree? Anybody ever had a bonsai tree? I watch videos, especially preparing uh, for this, I, I watch videos, and it's amazing. They'll take a, a, a tree that looks like this arrangement here, which is a very beautiful arrangement, and they'll nick it here, and they'll trim it there, and they'll cut a little piece here, and they'll bend this over, and all of a sudden you have this beautiful tree that wraps around, and it's just, just gorgeous to look at because God has a green thumb. You and I are the same way. We looked at the gentle art of elimination and cultivation, uh, and we looked at that when we're talking about pruning, less really is more. And then we looked at the fact that a healthy connection to the vine will produce good fruit. And I want to tell you that's true today as it was yesterday and the day before. And today we're looking at the object of harvest. And it's going to be a long one, so I brought a, I brought a little sack lunch. And I'll get Annalisa to bring me that box of potato chips here in just a minute. But uh, what is this? Pear. And it's a nice-looking pear. What about this? What color is it? Thank you. What do we have here? What color is it? Thank you, sir. It, 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 is, it is greenish yellow. And lastly, okay, what color is it? Very good. Now, some of you think I'm going to give this away to you, but I'm not. There's a reason that I shared that fruit and asked you to describe them this morning. Because each of those fruits come from different places and different trees. They, uh, I didn't check the country of origin, but I would suspect some of those may have come from Venezuela or Mexico. Some of them could have come from California, uh, wherever it may have come from. But all of those fruits and all the others that were left in the store when we bought those, all of those fruits are where they are today because of careful cultivation they are there because of careful fertilization. They are there uh, because through pr um, purposeful pruning. And when all of those things line up, you have the harvest of these fruits. And I share that with you this morning to say I read this quote this week and it, it, it hurt. It hurt me. And here's what it says. Everyone wants the delicious fruit of the harvest. But few are willing to do all that is necessary along the way. I love pears. There's a wild pear tree on the property at our state convention office. And I don't know if you've ever seen a wild pear tree. But they grow pears half again as big as this one. And this one is... This one's, this one's, it's a little, it's a little, 
it's a little tough right now, but in a couple of days at home sitting on the counter, it's going to soften up. But these wild pears that grow, they get half again as big as these, and they never get soft. You always have to use a knife or something on them to get them. Um, I say that to say, I'm not going to go through what, it, what I'd have to do to plant a pear tree in my backyard. Because that means I would have to dig a hole. That means I'd have to go and buy a pear tree. That means I'd have to come back, put it in there, fill it back up, put fertilizer on it, watch it, run a lawnmower around it all summer, every summer, uh, put a little more fertilizer on it, try to keep the deer off of it in the summertime when it's blooming. Uh, and then hopefully by the time I retire, that thing's probably going to be old enough to start putting off some fruit. And by then, I'm not going to want the pear. And so I agree with this statement when it, when it says, everybody wants the wonderful sweet taste of the fruit, but few are willing to do what it takes to, or that is necessary along the way. A couple of things I want to say this morning. Number one, Scripture is very clear. We will reap what we sow. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse uh, seven, I believe it is. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also will he reap. For he, he who sows in the flesh will reap flesh, uh, will a flesh reap corruption. But he who sows in the spirit with the spirit will reap everlasting life. And let us all, let us not grow weary in while doing good. For in due season we shall reap what uh, if we do not lose heart, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Church, let me ask you this morning. These are, it's more of a question time today than anything else. Number one, in your life as you sit here right now at 1116 on the 29th day of January 2023, what are individually, what are we sowing? What are we sowing through our lives, through the opportunities that God has given us at our work, at Walmart, at Schnooks, wherever it may be? What are we sowing in our lives today? And the second question is, has the gospel seed found that fertile, cultivated, pruned up place where it can grow and grow and grow and bear much fruit? If it hasn't, let me encourage you this morning that if you haven't heard anything else I've said these last four weeks, you hear Galatians chapter 8, chapter 6, verse 8, and it says, For he who sows in the flesh will, uh, um, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh re uh, reap corruption. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty discouraging right there. If what we're doing, we're doing because it gets us something. Um, if it gets us prestige, if it gets us money, if it gets us notoriety, if it gets us popularity, that's sowing in the flesh. And guess what? Sooner or later, all those things are going to go away. There are pastors and preachers across our nation that are in huge, great, big social clubs today. Sooner or later, those social clubs are going to be wiped out. They will not get the history. They will not get the honor, as Grace Baptist Church has done, to celebrate a hundred years because the flesh will not last that long. We reap what we sow. Are we, 
is, is our heart fertile? Because there in Matthew, it says that Jesus saw the multitudes and had compassion on them. Beloved, when we walk out of the doors of this beautiful auditorium, this beautiful facility, do we see with compassion the people, the lostness that just right across the street or right down the street or on the other side of town? Do we see that, those folks and those conditions with compassion? Or do we just see, well, man, we just left a beautiful worship service. Preaching wasn't much, but the, hey, the temperature was good. And I liked what, I liked the song that we're saying today. What, what are we going to do? What are we sowing? Are we sowing in a fruitful, uh, fertile area or have we grown stale? I don't know about you. There are a few things in my life. I, I love food. I don't know if y'all know this about me or not, but food is my love language. And uh, this morning, my love language was at uh, Biscuit Belly over on Burkhart Road. And if you haven't been there, you need to go try that bad boy. Uh, don't go, don't go, after, you need to go like in the morning if you haven't eaten since dinner. But anyway, that's another story. But in one of my favorite, one of my favorite drinks in all of life is ice cold milk. I don't believe there's an alcoholic in the world that's ever had an ice cold glass of milk and uh, preferred something else over that. But there are a few things in my life that, that I pay much attention to on the sell-by date. Y'all, y'all familiar with this on every package? On bread, I can, I can deal with that because I'll put that stuff in the toaster. Um, uh, Tanya uh, brought me a, a box of chips this morning, and it, it has nothing to do with Tanya, but they are past their due date. But guess what? I'm still going to eat them because that date on most things is just a suggestion. But when milk gets close to that date... It begins, even if it's a couple of days before that date, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, this will keep any of you from coming to my house, I drink out of the jug. <laughs> I'll go to the kitchen in the middle of the night, and I'll... And it may not be till a day, maybe a day or two before that date, but it's already going bad. It's already stale and gross. I want to tell you, you and I can become that way. We can look good. We can dress nice. We can say the right things. But there are times in our lives, maybe I can only speak to myself this morning, there are times in our lives where we grow stale to the gospel seed that's been planted in our church, in our hearts. We grow stale to that uh, and hardened and complacent um, that was one of the hardest things to deal with when the Lord called us from here to go to Highland Lakes. I'd had the honor of serving here 12 years. We had just remodeled my office. If you remember, we had just put all the new windows in the building and all that. We had just remodeled my office. And I'll be honest with you, I was, I was content. I was complacent to spend the rest of my ministry day sitting in that office Annalise and I, if you remember, we had our whole, our whole house down on Rickard Avenue. We had it all tore apart, remodeling, because we thought, well, man, God's going to let us move, uh, leave, leave, live here till we retire. And so there's no money in retirement, so we better get it fixed now, and on and on. And then I get that phone, I get Pastor Ray comes to my office, and I get that phone call. And one of the things that I, that I struggled with is I was, I was complacent. I was, man, I was, 
I was here. My prayer is that none of you have ever been or are in these moments in that place of contentment. There are some, and I pray this is no one here, there are some that just grow cold. There are some who just, they just don't care anymore. I wonder, I wonder today how many people are there in heaven that are grateful that Grace Baptist Church cared about them? I wonder today how many people are in heaven, how many children are in heaven, how many adults, senior adults, how many are there today because Grace Baptist Church cared enough about them to have pastors that preach the word, the church cared enough to have programs, youth programs, children's ministries, food pantries, uh, on and on, kids camp. Oh, beloved, I look forward, kids camp is one of the highlights of my ministry. And I look forward to one day walking into heaven and finding somebody coming up to me and say, hey, Brother Rick, man, let me tell you, I got saved at kids camp, and I know you didn't save me, and Annalisa didn't save me, and Grace Baptist Church didn't save me, but man, you all showed me Jesus. You taught me Jesus. You get me to sing about Jesus, and I am here. Thank you for what you did in my life through kids camp. Grace, thank you for what you've done through food ministries. Grace, thank you for all that you've done. Here's why it's important to know where we are. The farmer that planted the tree for my pear, and it doesn't have a sticker on it, I was looking to see where it was from, but when that farmer planted that tree, he expected a pear tree to grow. Now, I'll tell you, if an apple had sprung up on that tree, he was going to be messed up. If a banana had popped up on that tree or an orange had popped up on that tree, that's not what he was expecting. I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart through God's word, knowing that we are the branch, Jesus is the vine, and God is the vine dresser, I believe he expects us all to bear much fruit. And that's where the harvest comes in. We must realize we will reap what we sow. Number two, I want you to see we need to work in his power. Going back to last week, John chapter 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. I still speak with great fondness about the educators that became good friends while I was here at Grace. Todd Slagle, who at last I recall was now the principal over principals for the EVSC. Uh, Michelle Gamatza, who has since remarried and is the principal at Washington Middle School. Aaron Huff, wherever he is at in these days. But I speak very favorably, and it's with great compassion that I speak about these folks because it is nothing that I did. Y'all hear me. It is nothing that I did when the principal up the street said, Rick, would you come and lead a uh, devotion on Monday mornings for me and my staff? It was nothing that I did. It was seeds. Please understand, it was seeds that over a hundred years, Grace Baptist Church has planted in Delaware Elementary School. 
It is nothing. All, all, listen, all I was able to do is come by and, and enjoy the fruits of the labors who have come, those who have come on before me because it wasn't me. It wasn't even Grace Baptist Church, but it was Jesus who opened those doors. It was Christ who said, man, listen, Grace Baptist Church, we need folks to come and tutor. And it was folks like Sarah Burke and others that went up there in the afternoons and tutored these children. And here's, here, here's the big deal. Y'all ready for this? You ready? Sam, ready? Those kids didn't smell like us. Those kids didn't talk like us. They didn't live like us. And man, listen, I don't know about you, uh, I've been around enough, but there were some days that uh, some of their vocabulary caught me off guard. And yet, grace loved them enough because we are the branch, he is the vine, the father is the vine dresser. We love them enough that we knew there was a harvest there. And I believe there's still a harvest all across this city today because Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Salvation begins at that moment that you and I profess our faith in Christ. And it continues on and we have a journey and we have fruit to bear until God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, come, come on in. Come in and in, enter into the joy of your salvation. And so I don't care this morning if you're 150 years old. If you're 50 or 15, there is something for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this auditorium to do in the avenue and the adventure that is bearing gospel fruit. The good news is that it is not our power that gets the job done, but it is God's power. It is his responsibility as he lives through us, through the Holy Spirit, through our bearing of fruit, through our service, through our work, and through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I've said for as long as I can remember, every one of us in this place has a divine appointment with somebody. And I don't think that's a one-time thing. I told you the story a few weeks ago about Dan Reynolds. Can I tell you that I, I, I can't recall a, a more drastic, dynamic, divine appointment than I've ever had in my life than I had with Dan Reynolds that day as he laid on that operating table dying. But that's not been the only experience, the only divine appointment. But I believe we all have them. It's important for you not to understand. One scholar wrote this. He said, God plants the seeds by his power. He fertilizes the seeds by his power. He cultivates the seeds by his power. And when the fruit is ready, the harvest takes place by his power. We are merely instruments by which he brings the harvest. Now think about that, church. That ought to make us shout hallelujah. You and I are a part of God's harvest. Some of y'all ain't getting this. He has said to you and I as believers, Rick, 
Kevin, Joanne, too many new faces, Angela. That's a good thing. I've asked you, I've included you in the work of my harvest. Church, he's included us in the most important work in the whole wide world. And we, he has said, come, I, you, I, you're the branch, I'm the vine, my father's the vine dresser. He's going to direct us, he's going to prune us, he's going to do all these things that you and I can have a part in the most exciting event that takes place in the life of any human ever. We're a part of that. Where are we this morning, church? Here's why it's important to know where we are right now. A couple of things. Number one, there are lost people in Evansville. Their eternity is hanging in the balance of our witness. Kevin, I love Kevin. I've watched Kevin grow up, and man, I, I, I just, I love Kevin. I don't mean to embarrass him, but I, I just, I, man, I just love, I just love Kevin. There were times that Kevin wasn't lovable. I can show you some pictures. There were times during my ministry that Kevin and I butted heads because one or both of us were doing something we probably weren't supposed to be doing. But Kevin today is just as important part of the harvest of God in Grace Baptist Church as Sarah Burke, who's been here uh, since she was uh, nine months old. Love you, Sarah. She hit me a while ago. That's why I'm picking on her. Um, Kevin's place in the harvest is just as important as Miss Sarah's, as important as Brother Robert, as Brother, as Charlie, Don Crow, Donnie, Gary, any of the rest of you. We've been called together to be a part of the harvest of God. Well, Brother Rick, I just don't know where that harvest is. All you got to do is walk out this door. Because the Bible says there, Jesus was very clear. He said there in verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It's important to know where you are because everybody's a part of it. Number two, the reason it's important in these days to know where you are and to be involved in the ministry and, and, the, and the life of this church is the local New Testament church is never any more vulnerable to the devil sticking his nose where it doesn't belong than when a church does not have a lead senior shepherd standing in this pulpit every single Sunday. The devil knows. That's, that they call that, in, in some circles, they call that the soft underbelly. Because the devil knows, hey, listen, there's still, they're still, you know, there's still, there's some still hurting. There's still some, some that aren't coming. There's some that aren't going to come when Brother Rick is there. There's some that aren't going to come when Brother blah, 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 blah. The devil says, I can work with that. So church, my prayer is we will stay focused on the harvest. Because in Evansville, Indiana, in Monrovia, Indiana, in Martinsville, Indiana, in Indianapolis, Indiana, the harvest is plentiful. 
but the laborers are few. Lastly, this morning, it's all around us. Matthew, again, back there in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Jesus went through the, t- the towns and the villages teaching, and he saw, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It's all around us, church. You and I can't walk a block, a square block around this church and not find lost, hurting people. My question is, what are you going to do about it? Individually and corporately, what are you going to do? Here's a great promise. If you and I do our part, God has promised to do his part. And he'll go before us and he'll soften the heart of that man, that woman, that boy, that girl and cause that heart to be receptive to the gospel message. Well, Brother Rick, how do you know that? Because on October the 20th, 1984, I was that hard-hearted, egotistical, obnoxious 19-year-old sitting in the very back pew of Viney Fork Baptist Church with no intention of listening to the gospel, listening to the singing. I was there because the preacher had a blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl that had caught my fancy. But God... Pastor Ray, Pastor Ray Dieter, Pastor Jim Armistead, and Brother Carlton Price did their part. They came to me and I, when I sat and was sitting in that back row after church, after everyone had left, and they asked me to come to the altar and pray. And, and I, didn't know, I didn't know what was happening, brothers and sisters. I didn't know. But I went and I knelt there and they shared the gospel with me. And they did their part. And guess what? God showed up and did his part. And on that day, he saved me. He did the same thing for you the day that you got saved. Some preacher, some friend, some Sunday school teacher, somebody did their part telling you about Jesus and God comes along and does his part and you get saved. Guess what? There's not a single person in Evansville, Indiana this morning right here, right now that is outside of the love of that God who has promised to do his part if you and I will do our part. Let me ask you, church, and then I'm done. Where, where have you seen yourself described in these last four weeks? Maybe you're here and you're recently planted. You've recently come to know the Lord Jesus. You've repented of your sin. You've asked him to save you. Uh, maybe Pastor Ray had the privilege of baptizing you. Or maybe some other pastor somewhere else had the privilege of baptizing you. But you're, you're rooted. You're strong. And you know exactly where you are. Maybe you're currently in a season of growth. I pray that's where we've all been at least these last four weeks. I, I, I certainly know that I have. Uh, because before I come and preach this to you, i got to study it and write it and rewrite it and think about it and mull it over. And it, it has to find application here if I expect it to find application with you. Maybe you're like some that have contacted me this week or that talked to me last week before I left. Maybe you're in a season of pruning. That's okay. That's okay because we all need it. It all, all of us, every day, because we're all sinners, even though we are saved, we still sin because that's our nature. That's what the Bible says. Maybe you're, right now, you're experiencing a season of harvest. All of these seasons 
have a place in the life of the believer. And we must realize that the very real process and understand where, uh, wherever we are, church, God is in control. Many of you have, uh, again, every, every week, many have emailed or texted or messaged and said, oh, this has been a great, just a great series, and it has meant a lot to me, and on and on. Let me, can I ask you to do this one thing? Some of you, I told, told you this, this last week. Here in a little bit, I'm going to be back there by the back door, and again, our, today's our last Sunday, so this is the first half of the message. We'll get to the other half just in here just a little bit. But here in a little bit, I'm going to be out there by the back door. Some of you are going to come by and say, oh, Brother Rick, man, great message. I hope you do that. Uh, some of you are going to come by and say, I didn't get anything out of it all. Some of you are going to say, hey, can I have a piece of that fruit? But if you come past the door, if you come past here today, or you've come past there in the, in the last three weeks, or you've messaged us, and you've, you've enjoyed, you've been blessed by this series, I enjoy you telling me, but here's what, I, here's what I'm going to tell you. Go do something with it. If you just let it sit and have a little fuzzy spot in the back of your neck over the last four weeks, then I don't feel like we've accomplished what God wanted us to accomplish. But if we will go and we will tell people, Jesus said, if you and I through the Father's grace and love and power and authority, if we will go and we will share with folks that there is a life beyond what they're experiencing right now, because Jesus said there in John 10, 10, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So church, here's my charge to you. Let's go seek the harvest in Evansville. It's plentiful. It is overflowing. But the laborers are few. Go bear the fruit that the Father intends for Grace Baptist Church to produce. Father, this morning we love you. And Lord, we know that there are tens of thousands of lost people in Evansville right now. And Lord, there are hundreds and hundreds of churches. And Father, there may be someone this morning right here in this auditorium that is lost and has never come to the saving knowledge of, gra of, of uh, your grace and your passion and your mercy and your love. First of all, this morning, I pray that we would recognize that if there's one man, woman, boy, or girl in this place that is lost, that has never asked Jesus to save them, today can be the day of their salvation. Today can be the day that they confess their sin, ask for the forgiveness that only God can give, and you will pour it out on them. From the youngest person to the oldest person in this place, Lord, we have that as a great promise, and we're grateful for it. And so, Father, this morning I pray that over these last four weeks, you have challenged us to grow in our walk 
And that, Father, I pray we would be like Jesus when, he, when the Bible says he saw the multitudes and he had compassion on them. Father, renew in us if we have grown cold, if we've grown indifferent, rekindle in us the compassion that we might see Evansville as you see Evansville, a field white unto harvest. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name.